Hello and welcome to It's Complicated Podcast, where we're making sense of faith and the life of millennials. I'm your host, Alex Voigt. Today, we're talking the great divide between us and them. Plus, you'll hear from a real-life millennial, so hang on. Last December, I went to a cafe in Byron Bay, Australia, and I ordered a vegan burger. It was massive, and I had a big dilemma on my hands. How do I tackle a burger that won't fit into my mouth? So what did I do? I shoved it in there, and I chomped down. And that's what we're going to do today. I hope you're able to listen to last week's introduction to this podcast to understand what this is all about. But I'm going to start perhaps with the easiest topic to explain, but the most difficult to understand. We'll shove the burger in our mouth, but it's going to take time, and chewing over and over and over again, week by week, and attacking it from different sides until you can finally digest it. That topic is the Great Divide. Why doesn't my generation see eye to eye with the older ones? As I said last week, I don't proclaim to speak for everyone who fits the characteristics of a postmodern or millennial. I can, however, give my own experience and let you hear from other millennials that can corroborate. So let me start by asking this. Why don't people agree? Why is it that we live in a world of political strife, of religious disagreement, arguing over which bathrooms people can go in, over whether someone should or shouldn't sign a marriage certificate, over whether people can or can't choose to end their own life on their own terms over the the color of a coffee cup? And I agree that some of these questions are complex, and, and I'm not taking any sides here. As I ask these questions, though, invariably, your mind flooded with your views or your take on the issues. And you'll probably notice the big divide between the age groups. Uh, take LGBTQ rights. Um, Barna Group they, they sampled a group of individuals and found that among all Americans over 40, only 46% were in support of changing laws to favor this community, whereas 65% of those under the age of 40 agreed. So that's a big divide right there. And among Christian adults, 32% over 40 agreed in more freedom to change laws, while 46% under 40 agreed. So in Christianity, if both age brackets are reading the same Bible, how is there a divide? You know, my belief is that we evaluate differently. Uh, One of the most influential mentors in my thinking process and my, uh, I'd say my development, is Dr. Dwayne Kovrig from Andrews University. I I worked as his graduate assistant and I hope to bring him on the podcast sometime. But he introduced me to a book called The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, that's H-A-I-D-T. He writes, and I quote, Intuitions come first, strategic reasoning comes second. Moral institutions arise automatically and almost instantaneously long before moral reasoning has a chance to get started. And those first intuitions tend to drive our later reasoning, end quote. Now I know many of you are listening will disagree, You'll contend that there are absolutes, whether intrinsic morality and humanity or, or written absolutes in religious text. And I don't disagree. But how is it that there are so many denominations today? Clearly you understand it better than the next guy, right? 
Hate continues, if you think that moral reasoning is something we do to figure out the truth, you'll be constantly frustrated by how foolish, biased, and illogical people become when they disagree with you. But if you think about moral reasoning as a skill we humans evolved to further our social agendas, to justify our own actions, and to defend the teams we belong to, then things will make a lot more sense, end quote. Now, obviously, if you're coming like me from a creationist perspective, whenever you hear the word evolved, you have to think about the sin problem. We are living in a world of sin. So could it be that if we think about moral reasoning as a, a way of pride, that we want to further our social agendas, to justify our own actions, and to defend ourselves or the teams we belong to. A sin problem, pride, and it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, as a postmodern with a Christian theistic worldview, I do believe in absolutes. But the more that I learn, the less that I know. I'm realizing that the gospel has become so much more complex than it was intended to be. We have these things called salvational issues, and every denomination has their own. In my denomination, many put diet on a pedestal of piety almost. It's almost like it's an act of sacrifice to God. And many denominations, they battle over uh, the correct style of worship. But millennials, more than anything else, seek to live an authentic life. Authenticity is a big characteristic. And frankly, there are many non-salvational issues that don't jive with their experience with Jesus. Millennials are more and more willing to sacrifice the expectations of traditional Christianity. And frankly, unless they are able to resolve the tension between the modern mindset of these, these Christian expectations and the postmodern experience with Christ, they'll drop one. Drew Dick, in his book, Generation X Christian, he writes, Opposing beliefs or behaviors cause psychological distress. We seek to resolve the tension by dropping or modifying one of those contradictory beliefs or behaviors. Once we do, our psyche's harmony is restored. End quote. And so this is my belief. Modern-minded individuals are great at living up to expectations. You hold a job for many years because this is what you're supposed to do. You drop tithe in an offering plate because it's what you're supposed to do. You go out and vote because you're supposed to. You come to church week after week and sit in a pew because you're supposed to. Any conflict between expectations and your relationship with Christ, you side with the expectations. And this is not necessarily wrong. It's just the modern mindset. Postmoderns are different. They don't vote unless there's a compelling reason to. They don't pay tithe unless there's a compelling reason to. They don't keep their job unless there's a compelling reason to. They don't do weekly church attendance unless there's a compelling reason to. So this is the great divide. Expectations versus experiential decision-making. Black and white versus gray. Truth versus relationship. Some millennials figure out how to resolve the tension while most drop the opposing belief that causes psychological distress and thus they leave the church. And now it's story time. I'm here today with David Watson. 
I have to tell you our history. Uh, both of us were in the School of Religion at Southern Adventist University. Uh, we weren't necessarily close, but we were acquaintances. And uh, I actually admired that you would be the only one that came to class in uh, Batman and like dressed up as superheroes. Um, <laughs> it was always really awesome. Uh, and then I'd also see you at the video store. I think, what, what video store was that that you worked at? That was Movie Gallery. That was back in the day when there was actually brick and mortar movie stores, right? Yep, yep. Uh, but then the crazy thing is I was working as a pastor. I started my job here down in Port Charlotte, Florida, and I was printing some things uh, for a, uh, a church function that we were doing. And I went to Staples and I, I saw this guy in the back and I'm like, hey, that looks like David Watson. That's crazy. And then uh, you, you came out, and I looked at your name tag, and it said David W. on it. I'm like, whoa, what a coincidence. That guy That's looks crazy. like... crazy. <laughs> yeah, I know. He looks like David Watson, and uh, he has a name tag that says David W., and then you looked at me funny, and, <laughs> and you're like, Alex? I was like, David, what are you doing here? So so that was really just really wild way that we kind of ran into each yeah. other again. Yeah, it definitely um, was. But I, I later learned that you attended our Christian school here on our campus, um, so how many years did you attend the Port Charlotte Adventist School for? I was at the Port Charlotte Adventist School from 1998 until 2004. So six years from my fourth grade year to my 10th grade year. Now tell me this, who is David Watson? David Watson, well, he's a uh, fellow that lives here in Southwest Florida. Um, I'm single, pretty happy about it, honestly. <laughs> I uh, work at a print shop. That's pretty cool. I uh, I handle shipping and I buy books and all that sort of stuff. It's mostly mundane, but pays the bills. Um, otherwise, uh, hobbies. I like to do a lot of community theater. Um, I uh, play video games, of course, like every other man my age, because we're all just man children. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I like music and. Like to sing, da 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 da. I have to say, it was really awesome. We all, uh, a bunch of our young adults, we all came out to see your performance of Boeing Boeing at the local theater, and you played Bernard. Yes, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was a fun show. I, I uh, not necessarily the the most Christian show. Um, at least not my character. I uh, I was a polygamist. <laughs> I had three fiancés, not wives fiancés but you managed them well right oh of course oh, that's good no they were well taken care of so let me ask you this how would you describe your spirituality or your worldview well i am actually in a very uh, complicated place that's um, fitting for our podcast yes yes it is <laughs> um my relationship status with uh with jesus is it's complicated um no, basically, when I left Southern in 2009, I left as an agnostic atheist. Now, what were you studying when you were at Southern? Well, I was double majoring in um, history and religious education. So we were in the School of Theology together. Yes, we were. And I actually initially started as a, uh, I was still double majoring, but my first semester I was history and theology. Then I switched that to religious ed, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Yep. Um, now I uh, currently still find myself sort of in the agnostic atheist camp, but 
in recent months, I have sort of been feeling this, I don't know really what to describe it as, aside from just maybe a longing or some sort of pulling from what I can only think of as some sort of spiritual element. Um, I don't know what exactly where it's leading me, but I'm exploring it, trying to figure things out. Like you said, it's complicated. Yeah. It's a good way of, yeah, it, of it, describing it. Is. It. <laughs> it is. And so now tell me about your relationship with the church. I know that you, you grew up for a certain number of years in the church. You've attended Adventist religious schools um, for, I think, middle school, uh, high school, part, and of high school. part of high school, and then um, college as well. So what would you say your relationship with the church is? And, and the church, I'm saying that in the general sense of, uh, let's say, more organized Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, currently I, I do not attend. Um, I never did regularly anyways, except for when I was at Southern. Um, my, uh, I'm the only, as if we're specifically talking about Adventism here, which we kind of are, um, not totally, but today, um, I, uh, I'm the only Adventist person in my family. Um, my mom is just kind of generic Protestant Christian, um, and she never really went to church. She just worked all the time. Um, and my, uh, basically my dad, it's, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> um, uh, he's a Catholic and, um, he, uh, he has gone to church every Sunday for the past 15 years that I've known him. And actually, no, it's 20 years. Jeez. <laughs> uh, and, uh, no, um, he's great. He's awesome. But no, uh, I, with my relationship with the church in and of, of itself has never been terribly strong. Um, still definitely isn't my largest amount of church attendance was at Southern and that was partially forced with, you know, facing fines <laughs> <laughs> and, and what about greater christianity i mean just just your views on christianity and organized organized christian religion as a whole uh, do you do you find that your i don't know your ideals match up with it do you find it attractive or do you find things troubling about it um i i've at different times in my life i've felt differently about that and sort of the role of organized religion as a, as a structure and, and the church. Um, ultimately, even as, you know, not a full believer, I think it serves a purpose. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see it to be gone. Um, I, uh, I appreciate organized religion. I think religious practices are ultimately a, a healthy thing in people's lives. Um, works for some people might not for others, but I think it's a, it's a good force and what about things like politics? I know that um, the Christian church in general is is often associated with the uh, conservative right movement. And a lot of the, the things that that carries, um, uh, you know, it's assumed gun rights. It's assumed that you believe in uh, fiscal conservative uh, po- uh, policies, um, that you support war, capital punishment. Uh, there, there's a lot of these things that, you know, obviously not every single Christian believes these things, but... Uh, just your perception of Christianity when it when it comes to politics and things is that something that kind of jives with you or not really? Um, 
I mean, if you're asking if I agree with the traditional sort of conservative stance on those things in their relation to religion, no, not at all. But but um, what about what about your? Do you view the church in a negative light because oh, of because a lot of, of these that, stances sure. that they've taken? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I I I do, um, and I don't like that. Yeah. Um, frankly, I I I think as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I find myself in the more just traditional American view of we really should keep the two as separate as possible. Um, keep your politics out of my religion. Keep your religion out of my politics. Um, that, that's fair. And, you know, that's that's very um, typical of of people in our age group. I know that, you know, that that's something that I know a lot of people who struggle with that. They they see the news. They, they watch Fox News or they watch um, just different conservative politics in there. They're troubled by the fact that uh, many times they're expected to conform to something that, and there's a conflict of their core values there. Um, but let me ask you this. Today on the podcast, we're talking about the divide between the, the modern-minded and black-and-white view of truth and, the, and you know, the view on things versus the postmodern emphasis on kind of experience and relationship where, where things are not necessarily cut and dry, that, you know, this is right, this is wrong. Thinking about your your childhood in in Christianity and specifically in Seventh Day Adventism, do you resonate with the, this dichotomy? Would you say that this is something that you know the the older mindset that a very right versus wrong compared to the more of the experience that we have today? Do you what do you think about that? Um, you know, I, I'm maybe not the best person to give a lot of input on this, just because my interaction with people in the church is somewhat limited, um, but with its limits that uh, I would say what I've seen fits that description. Um, generally that, yes, your older generations tend to have a more black and white view of things, and certainly the younger generations don't. And um, what has had the most influence on your decision making? Like, is there a certain parameter or guiding principle that you abide by as, you know, whether intrinsic moral absolutes or relationship to fellow humans or kind of what is it that guides you? Well, uh, culturally um, and in my general just belief system, I mean, growing up, of course, I grew up in the Adventist school um, and thus the church. Um, so I have a fairly typical... Protestant, uh, New Testament belief, you know, first and above all else is the golden rule and followed by the Ten Commandments and then just general kind of ethics. And even as, you know, a person who's not necessarily faithful today, I would say I'm in more or less the same place. Uh, culturally, I'm still the same person I was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so I, I would say, you know, I just don't want to hurt people. So, so let me ask you a tricky one then. Um, let's talk about um, homosexuality. Sure. This is one that that you you said you kind of have the the golden rule, and then you also have the Ten Commandments there. And I know that the generation divide here in in our generation, most people, and I uh, recent statistics says sixty five percent support the ideas of loosening laws and things to to accommodate homosexuality 
whereas the older generation they see in the bible that there are very clear absolutes on on a topic like this and that's their view that this is something the bible says and this is what i believe and this is what i'm going to stick to so how do you go through that reasoning process in your mind that you want to do unto others as you want to have them do unto you you want to give people freedom and 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 treat them well and i i don't know specifically on this issue but but what do you do when you come into conflict where on one side you know maybe the bible forbids something but on the other side you want to let them do what they want to do um yeah no this is one where i uh i like a lot of other people um probably tend to go you know that part of the bible maybe i don't like that part (laughs) and uh just sort of be like well you know linen what's wrong with linen (laughs) (laughs) red lobster is a great place to eat uh so and i have to say this is fair you know we're (laughs) and here on the podcast i'd like to remind everyone some of the listeners here are, are those who are of the same mindset, um, that are struggling with these same questions, that are dealing with the same stuff. But there are some here that I'm sure immediately they're thinking, you know, they're immediately casting that view out aside and saying, well, that's, that's just wrong. Um, and what we're trying to bring to light here is that no matter what we actually act on and no matter what we actually practice, there is tension on, on some of these issues in the mind of most millennials, whether they're still in the church, whether they're not in the church, or whether they're in a, a complicated relationship with the church. There are these tensions. And so um, no judgment here. That's no. that's just, you know, real. That's what it, what it is. For sure. So I, I want to bring it back to the church. Can you think of any specific experiences in your religious upbringing that were particularly helpful or harmful because of this divide? You know, I, I don't know if this is necessarily completely on point, but one thing that sticks out to me, and again, this is going to be really kind of Adventist centric, but a certain thing that has bothered me in the Adventist church, and part of it is because uh, my, not my dad, <laughs> um, he uh, he's Catholic, and Adventists sort of have a really uh, negative relationship with Catholics, or they have, at least. Um, and just one quick anecdotal story. Uh, when I got baptized in the Adventist church, in, in the church we're sitting at today, um, about 20 feet from here, yeah. my dad um, was in the audience, and he... Uh, was there to support me and everything. And the pastor, I I don't remember the exact words he said, but the pastor at the time made some sort of jab at Catholics at their expense. And I'm sure he didn't, you know, anticipate there being Catholics around to hear it all the more. Um, And it really, really made my dad feel unwelcome here. And... He's kind of had a, you know, a little thorn in his side from it ever since. And, you know, I think that plays perfectly into this divide because there's a certain subset that they, you know, they have this view of truth. There's right versus wrong. And it's almost like that trumps everything. It trumps relationships. It trumps, um, you know, just everything else. And so, you know, if that means that trumpeting the truth is number one, you're going to plow over anybody that you know, is not in line with that view. Whereas 
the the more postmodern mindset on things is that you know what there are some things that we disagree on but let's let's try and put those aside as much as possible and try and um hear each other's story and uh, build the relationship quite a bit more and and there are some things i'm i'm going to be sharing in the podcast that maybe you know the postmoderns are not doing it's maybe not a healthy thing but in this case I'd like to suggest to those listening that um, I think being a little bit more uh, caring and trying to listen, be a little more empathetic with people's story, uh, that's something that we could actually all take a lesson from. And he, especially, it, it hurts me to hear stories like this because um, sadly, you're not the only person I've heard that story. I mean, not, not specifically not that one, that one. but, <laughs> but I've, I've heard very similar ones uh, to that. So I have an important question for you. If there is one thing that you could walk around and just deliver the most impactful, powerful message that you want to with no repercussions, what would that be? You know, I, I feel like anything you could possibly say wouldn't really have any meaningful change upon them. But if somehow you could speak with divine truth and you know just magically miraculously uh, change their heart on things and I, I think this will be a basic idea you'll get from a lot of people be more like jesus i mean just be more like jesus that's that's a very good one um <laughs> let me ask you this i want to finish with this question here if you were to st strip away religion, uh, church organization, dogma, church history, all the all the things that come along with it, is the Jesus of the Bible attractive to you? Oh, definitely. So I, you'd maybe say that the complicated part of the relationship is all the baggage that comes along with it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure on the truth of Genesis or necessarily i mean this is just directly from that you know the divinity of christ but jesus in the bible the things he taught his character as we're given he's a great person no matter what um the truths that he taught are as true today as they were then and i think they're valuable for everyone regardless of your if you're a Christian or not. Uh, Jesus is a great philosophical teacher, no matter what. That's, that's very true. Well, I just wanted to thank you so much for uh, being on our first real podcast thank here. Thank you. We, uh, had to start off with a bang, and, and I think it went really well. So I uh, appreciate that. And uh, maybe maybe sometime down the road, we'll have you back on. And I'd love to do it. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. And now it's time for What's Happening. To say that this election cycle has been strange would be an understatement. Uh, I saw a hilarious obituary that was posted online. It said this, Faced with the prospect of voting for either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, Mary Ann Nolan of Richmond chose instead to pass into the eternal love of God on Sunday, May 15, 2016. But the bigger news this week, as the Daily News titled their headline, I'm with racist 
and it was a picture of the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, uh, pointing at Donald Trump. And you've probably heard what happened this week. Donald Trump, he has been panned by many in his own party, and then suddenly after he won the nomination, as expected, people are starting to get behind him. There are still some people who are holding out. But Paul Ryan, as the Speaker of the House, there's a great expectation that he's going to support the nominee of his own party. Obviously, there was some trepidation because he had said so many strong comments prior to his nomination, and uh, he was faced with a dilemma that now he's expected to support this man. And especially this week, with the situation of Donald Trump and the case against his Trump University, there is a judge of Mexican heritage, and that is Judge Gonzalo Curiel. And Donald Trump called into the question whether Curiel should recuse himself or be disqualified from overseeing this trial because of his heritage. Now, obviously, this is not acceptable in today's society. It's not acceptable to expect someone to recuse themselves from anything based on their race, their gender. But what was more interesting is that Paul Ryan called Trump's comment on this judge the textbook definition of a racist comment. And yet, at the same time, he really took the approach of well, but he's also the lesser of two evils between these two individuals that we can vote for. And it just made me think about what millennials seek. Millennials seek authenticity. And, and I have to say this, that, that leaders today, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the political sphere, wherever it is, millennials are seeking leaders of authenticity. And they're rare to find. But the ones that are authentic are excellent. But for every excellent leader, I'd have to suggest that there are quite a few more who, two millennials, who are able to see through this, this veil of inauthenticity, we can find and we can spot and we can see exactly who is real and who is not. And unfortunately today, millennials are checking out from institutions, from organizations, from places where these inauthentic leaders are. And I think about Jesus. He really was the textbook definition of an authentic lifestyle. And if you think about that, because of his authentic lifestyle, he was butting heads with the expectations of what a religious person is supposed to look like in the way of the Pharisees. And so when Jesus picked his leaders to lead his church, he didn't go to the Pharisees. He didn't go to the guys who had it all together, who, who prayed right, who dressed right, who acted and did the right things. He went to these 12 guys, some of them liars, some of them cheated people out of money. Some of them were just very selfish people, but they were authentic. They knew that they were selfish. They knew that they were liars. They knew that they were cheaters, but they were willing to admit it and they were willing to let their hearts be broken by Jesus. And so I, I feel like the world is longing for leaders who are authentic. The church is longing even more so for leaders who are authentic, who can step up and who can live a real life, a real Christian experience, one where there's mistakes, where you mess up, where you fall in your face, where, where you over and over again don't live up to the perfect person that you're expected to be. You may not dress right, look right, act right. But as the millennials take over institutions, organizations, churches, 
there's going to come a point where there's going to be a shift in expectations and a shift in expectations that we're not looking for the next perfect person, but a shift in expectations that we are looking for the most authentic person that can live a real life and that can lead out of that authentic experience. So thanks so much for joining us once again. I want this podcast to be for you, and I invite you to contact me in any way possible. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash It's Complicated Podcast, or you can tweet at us on Twitter at Complicated Pod. That's at Complicated Pod. We're just getting this started once again, but we'd like to have your questions, comments, and we'd like to have discussion keep this conversation going give me feedback on anything from the podcast the content to even uh, whether the volume was too loud too soft if i talk too fast uh, you may have heard my dog throughout this episode rolling around on the ground beside me but thanks so much for joining us once again and we should be back next week i hope you'll listen and in the meantime think differently thanks for joining <laughs>